Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Today we get to finish. I get to conclude our Maid of Honour series. I've really loved this series. But at the same time, I've got to be honest, it conflicts me a little bit. You see, in Australian culture, it's a forgotten virtue. Honouring people is something that doesn't come naturally to us. And yet we see in the kingdom of God, we see in the Bible that honouring is actually a really important value. And so it brings a conflict at times between the culture I know, Australian culture, and the kingdom culture, the culture that I want to bring. And if we're not careful, that clash of cultures actually creates a disconnect for us. We actually see what we like in the kingdom of God, but we're not quite there ourselves. And there's this disconnect between how we live and what God is calling us to. And when we do that, when we find ourselves in that disconnect, you've got an option. Are you going to shrink back into what is familiar? Or are you going to step forward into what God is actually calling us to do? You see, there's actually a power involved in stepping forward into what God is calling us to. And when we choose to do that, we tap into a power that we didn't previously have. This is week three of Made of Honour. The first week we looked at honour and honouring and what it's all about. Last week, Pastor Tony spoke about honour on the home front. For me, that was a powerful message because again, for me, honouring is something that doesn't come naturally. And yet, as we honour on the home front, it has the power to change everything in our lives. And so for those two messages, they're available on our podcast, available through our app. That one specifically from last week, Honour on the Home Front, I would recommend, don't just leave it on the app, download it onto your devices. And it's something that we need to remind ourselves of frequently. As I was thinking about that message of Honour on the Home Front, I was looking at it and I'm asking myself this question, well, why don't I honour more? Why do I find it so hard to actually give honour where honour is due? And as I was thinking about it, I realised, you know what, there's actually some enemies of honour. And those enemies of honour, when they take hold of my heart, makes it impossible for me to honour others. And so today, we're actually going to have a look at what are some of the enemies of honour, because if we can address the enemies of honour that are in us, then we'll find it so much easier to actually give honour where honour is due. So if you've got your Bibles with me or your devices, we're going to turn to Matthew 15 this morning. If not, please feel free to follow up along on the screen behind me. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, 
Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honour your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they're not to honour their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are, half, are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. Eleven verses, but there's a lot of stuff happening in these 11 verses, right? Some of you are looking at me right now going, what the heck are you going to say? There's a lot happening here. First of all, let's just talk about the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were the religious leaders of their day. It was actually a position that was highly esteemed in Jewish culture. The Jewish people would have looked to the Pharisees and the, the teachers of the law very highly. We see that it says right at the very start there that the teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. So where was Jesus? Well, Jesus was actually ministering in the region of Galilee, which is about 100 to 120 kilometers north of where Jerusalem was. So what is happening here is that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had heard about what was happening, had heard about this person called Jesus, and they sent an official delegation to go and see for themselves what was really happening here. And so that official delegation probably had to travel two to three days to actually get to where Jesus was. Remember? No cars, no public transport. They would have been on foot, perhaps on a donkey, to actually go and investigate what was actually happening with Jesus. Now the uh, Pharisees and the teachers of the law were well versed in scripture. They would have known most of the Old Testament off by heart. Wow, there's a challenge, hey? Oof. They would have known it off by heart. They would have known that there was a Messiah coming. They would have known what the signs were to look out for the Messiah. But when the official delegation came and stood before Jesus, they actually didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. What's going on here? How can a group of people who are well-versed in Scripture, waiting for a Messiah, see a Messiah, but not see a Messiah? See, the problem was, was that honor comes from the heart. And if... The enemies of honour are in your heart. You're not going to be able to honour what's right in front of you. So what are some of these enemies of honour? 
that the Pharisees were having to deal with? Well, first of all, let's just talk about pride. The Pharisees were esteemed within their community. They were the upper echelon of the Jewish faith. And that with it brought a sense of pride. Not only just from their position, but also from their education, from their study. They were very knowledgeable. And that knowledge had turned to pride within them. But even beyond that, they were the official delegation. What does that conjure up in your mind? They're the official delegation coming to see what this person Jesus is all about. And we'll straighten him out. Don't you worry about that. And so the pride that was in their hearts stopped them from seeing God right in front of them. How about prejudice? You see, they weren't coming to find out about Jesus. They were coming with their minds already made up. See, they'd already had formed an opinion even before they got to where Jesus was. And that prejudice stopped them again from seeing what was right in front of them. They were looking for a way to put Jesus on the outer of their group right from the very start. How about the enemy of honour, which is legalism? Is it just me or do when you read this scripture, the thing that they come to Jesus with is hand washing? Does that seem weird to you? Now, I remember growing up as a kid, my mum said a lot about hand washing. If you're going to eat, make sure you wash your hands. You'd sit at the table, have you washed your hands? No, go and do it. And yet the same thing, the Pharisees come to Jesus about hand-washing of all things. And again, when our mums talk to us about hand-washing, that's a matter of hygiene. When the Pharisees were talking about hand-washing, it was not a matter of hygiene. It was a matter of tradition. It was actually a ceremonial washing, not a cleanliness washing. And this ceremonial washing, if you say, well, hang on a sec, where is that in the Bible? It's not. You see, the Pharisees had the word of God, the scriptures, but they also had an oral tradition that was passed down as well. And for the Pharisees, they held both equally. And so this oral tradition became as important to them as the words of Scripture themselves. And so their legalism stopped them from seeing Jesus right in front of them. How about just the Pharisees were stuck in the past? Now the Pharisees, as I said, would have known the majority of the Old Testament. That includes Isaiah 43.19, which says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Well, not for the Pharisees. The Pharisees were stuck in the past. They were too busy trying to uphold the laws of the Torah. 
the first five books of the Bible. And was Isaiah important? Well, it was important, but to the Pharisees, not as important as the books of Moses. And so the Pharisees were stuck. They were following tradition because we always follow tradition and so we should always follow tradition into the future. They were genuinely stuck and so no, they couldn't perceive the new thing that God was trying to do. Finally, how about hypocrisy? The Pharisees couldn't see Jesus because the enemy of honour in their heart was hypocrisy. You see, their legalism had allowed them to create loopholes. You see, in the passage of Scripture that we just read, when Jesus replied, he talked about, hey, the Scripture says, honour your parents. It's pretty clear, honour your parents. So how did the Pharisees actually create a loophole around that? Well, what they said was, hey, whatever possessions we have that we would have given to our parents or used to help our parents, we are going to take a vow and we're going to declare that those things are going to be used for God. And so because God trumps parents, whatever we were going to have for our parents, we now don't have to give them. We can give it to God. Their legalism had got them into this space where they'd created a loophole so that they didn't have to do what God said to do. And in creating a loophole, that loophole allowed them to continue to do whatever they wanted with their own possessions, knowing that it was vowed that they would give it to God down the track. And so the hypocrisy came when they were teaching one thing but doing something different. And this delegation would have been absolutely shocked when they bring hand-washing to Jesus and Jesus says, yeah, but what about honouring your parents? Because for them, that's what they believed. It was who they were. And yet the hypocrisy was still there. And so that stopped them from seeing Jesus when he was right in front of them. And that's why Jesus came to the conclusion, as did the prophet Isaiah, that they honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's why Jesus said that what comes out of their mouths is what defiles them. Why? Because what comes out of our mouths is birthed in our heart. And those enemies of honour that were lodged so firmly in the Pharisees' hearts stopped them from seeing Jesus right there. The attitudes of the Pharisees made them blind. I don't know about you, but I read that passage and I look at it and I go, bad Pharisees. Bad Pharisees. You're looking out for God. He's standing right there in front of you. Bad Pharisees. And yet, as I look around the room here today, and as I look in the mirror at me, those same enemies of honour that were in the Pharisee's heart, I find in mine. And I dare say, you find them in yours. 
as well. You see, when I look in my own heart, I see pride at times. Why? As I've gotten older, I've learned more things. As I've learned more things, I've learned to rely on me rather than come to God and say, hey, God, what do you want to do in this situation? And when I exclude God from my picture, that's pride rising up in front of me. I see prejudice at times, and it might start from a place that's not bad. We all have preferences. We all have things that we like and things that we don't like. But sometimes those preferences become prejudices. And there are times when I find that in my own heart. And when I do, it's an enemy of honour and it stops me from honouring others as I should. There are times I look and there's legalism in my heart. I look to traditions and rules rather than a relationship with Jesus. Anyone else with me today? Anyone else seeing the traits of the Pharisees in our own hearts? Stuck in the past. As I look around the room, it's easy to see for some of our older people the decade that they loved best. Because the decade that they love best seems to be where their hairstyle comes from. It seems to be where their clothes come from. And there might be many new things, but it doesn't matter because that was the best years. That was the prime years. We get stuck in the past when we keep doing things that we've always done without inviting God into the picture. And saying, hey, what do you want to do here? You know what? There are people I know of that go away every Easter to the same place with the same people. Nothing wrong with that. But I think also at times where God says, hey, maybe not this year. Maybe this year you need to be in church. Maybe. And we can get stuck in the past. And when we do that, we can exclude God. From the picture. And hypocrisy, where my actions don't line up with my words. I I don't want to be a hypocrite. It's not like I wake up in the morning going, hey, cool, how can I get things wrong today? But there are times when, as I go through my day, my actions don't line up with my words. And when that happens, it's an enemy of honour that's inside my heart that I need to deal with. So, cool, Ash, you've spent a lot of time talking about these enemies of honour. How do we get rid of them? If we've got enemies of honour that are in our heart, surely it's just a matter of doing the opposite, right? You see, if I've got some pride in my heart, maybe I just need to do the opposite. Opposite of pride is humility. And so I just need to be a little bit more humble. The problem is, is that naturally speaking, it doesn't quite work how I want it to. You see, I might make a very conscious choice. I'm going to be more humble. And so as I go through my day, I'm more humble. And as I'm going through my day being more humble, I think, hey, cool. I'm being more humble. 
I'm, I'm actually doing quite well at this humility thing. I don't know what the problem was. This humility thing is all right. And all of a sudden, I've become proud in my humility. Or maybe, maybe it's just legalism. Oh, I'm not going to be so legalistic today. And so I'm not going to be as legalistic, so I need to do the opposite. So I need to be a little bit more gracious. I need to work with people a little bit more. And what happens is, is that it becomes a battle in my mind. Every time I go to say something legalistic, I stop myself. Oh, and I can't say that because that's legalistic. So try and do something different. Or I can't do this. Oh, that's legalistic. And I'm being legalistic about my legalism, even though I'm trying not to be legalistic. You see, the problem is that we don't need behaviour modification. We need the Spirit of God to bring a heart transformation into our lives. The enemies of honour that are in our heart, I can't fix that in and of myself. I need help. I need the Holy Spirit to come and speak with me. I need the Holy Spirit to come and work inside of me because it's only the Holy Spirit that allows me to honour truly what God is calling me to honour. So if doing the opposite isn't going to work, what is going to work? We need to see what Jesus sees. See, I need the Holy Spirit at work in my life. I need the Holy Spirit transforming my heart. I need to be able to see what Jesus sees. You see, you can't honour what you don't see. And that's the lesson I learned from the Pharisees. The Pharisees were blind because of what was in their heart. And they couldn't honour the Son of God in front of them because they couldn't see the Son of God in front of them. So the question is today, what do you see? And I'm not talking physically. I know there's a number of people in here that have glasses. We're not talking about that. We're talking spiritually. What do you see? Because we need to see what Jesus sees. You see, Jesus saw every single person as valuable. Do you? Do I? Why is every single person valuable? Because there's an intrinsic value for every single person. Where does that come from? Creation. In Genesis 1, God said, let us make man in our image. And because every single person is an image bearer, of God, every single person has intrinsic value. You see, it's not a matter of what your bank balance is. It's not a matter of what car you drive. It doesn't matter where you live. There is a value in every single person that God placed there. Do you see it? Do you see it? Because Jesus would not let what society said dictate who he honoured. You see, in John chapter 4, we see the story of the woman at the well. Jesus and his disciples were travelling from Judea back to Galilee. They had to go through an area called Samaria. Now, the Samaritans were the sworn enemies of the Jews. 
And as they were traveling through, they stopped at a well. And as they came to the well, there was a woman there drawing water. Now, the disciples went into town to find some food. And Jesus had a conversation with this woman. Now, for many of us in today's society, we go, huh, yeah, okay, Jesus had a conversation with a Samaritan woman. We're taking what we have today and projecting it back some 2,000 years ago. But if you look at the culture of the day, it was unheard of for a Jew to talk to a Samaritan. For a man to start the conversation with a woman would have been frowned upon. This woman was there by herself because she was actually an outcast from her own society. Most of the people would go and gather their water or draw their water as groups. It was a social gathering as much as physically getting their water. And so the fact that this woman was there by herself meant that she was an outcast within her own society. And Jesus didn't let any of that stop him because he saw the intrinsic value of this person in front of him. He brought her honour. In Mark 12, we see the story of Jesus being in the temple and a woman comes up and just gives two small copper coins. The Bible says it's worth only a few cents. And yet Jesus saw it. Do you see what Jesus sees? He saw these few cents. And for many, it was just like, ah, that's not going to do much. Maybe, but for her, it was everything. And Jesus, recognizing her, honored her. We still read about it in the Bible today, such as the honor that Jesus gave to this person. We see Jesus playing with children. More than that, actually telling his disciples, no, let them come, honoring them because he saw the value in every single one of them. Again, how's your sight this morning? Young people, do you see what Jesus sees in some of our, well, not some of, do you see what Jesus sees in our older people? Or are they just the geriatrics that are moving too slow when you're trying to get out of the auditorium? <laughs> Young people, do you see the wisdom that's there? Young people, do you see the example that's there? That Christianity is lived for a lifetime, not just a moment. Do you, do you let that inspire you? That marriage can work long term. Do you see what Jesus sees? Older people. Do you see what Jesus sees in our young people? Or are they just the loud, brash, pain in the necks that are always under your feet? Do you see what Jesus sees in these young people? They're not the future church. They're the church. Equal as us. They are the church. At a time where there's so many different options for them. They're choosing to be in church on a Sunday. Come on. Do we see what Jesus sees? Do you see what Jesus sees in Christmas box? 
oh, the church is just after some money. Come on. As a church, we want to bless our community. As a church, we want to be our hands and feet of Jesus. Do you see what Jesus sees for Christmas box? Come on. Do you see what Jesus sees in our volunteers? Oh, those car park attendants, they parked me all the way out the back again this morning. Come earlier. Come on, do we see what Jesus sees? People standing out in the heat, standing out in the rain, making sacrifices on our behalf. Do you see what Jesus sees amongst our volunteers? Oh, all those people in orange shirts again. Yes, looking after our kids so that we can be here and not just babysitting, giving them a program, teaching them about Jesus. Do you see what Jesus sees this morning? Come on, every single one of us, every single one of us can see what Jesus sees. It's going to take out some of the enemies of honour that are in our hearts. Specifically for me, it deals with my pride. Because pride is thinking more highly of myself than I should. But when I see what Jesus sees and I can value other people, it deals with me thinking I'm the centre of the universe. Clearly I'm not. It deals with my prejudice. Because all of a sudden, when I can see what Jesus sees, I want the best for them, not just the best for me. Will we see what Jesus sees today, church? The second thing we need to do, we need to say what Jesus says. You see, if we go back to our passage today, some of you are going to take this and go, hey, I saw what Jesus said. He called those Pharisees a bunch of hypocrites. He ripped into them. He tore into them. I can do that. True. But it's not the only thing that Jesus said. You see, we need to say what Jesus says. Jesus was very blunt, very direct with those people who were hard-headed and hard-hearted. And most of the time, I find that's me. And I say what Jesus says to me. When I find my hard-headed, hard-heartedness is getting in the way of my relationship with God, I'm very blunt and direct when it comes to me. But that's not all that Jesus said. In John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We need to say what Jesus says. Grace and truth. You see, it's easy to speak just full of grace. Oh, you've been sinning. You've been doing the wrong thing. Oh, look, don't worry about it. God will forgive you. And there's an element of truth to that. It's easy to just bring grace. It's actually easy to just bring truth. Oh, you've been sinning. You shouldn't be doing that. How many times have I told you? Stop doing it. True. But let's bring grace and truth together. We actually honour each other when we bring both grace and truth 
Do you realize that we actually dishonor each other if we only bring one? We actually need to bring grace and truth into all of our conversations. As we speak with each other, let's say what Jesus says. Let's bring grace and truth into every space. Let's make sure that people are aware that the grace of God is there to help cover everything that we've done wrong. And at the same time, let's bring truth because we don't want to stay where we were. We want to grow. We want to get better. We want to become more like Jesus. Let's say what Jesus says. Let's bring grace and truth. Because when we do that, it actually takes care of the enemy in my heart, the enemy of honor, which is legalism. You see, if I bring grace and truth into every conversation, I'm not going to be looking at my list of rules. I'm going to be bringing Jesus into every space saying, hey, look to him and allow him to bring the heart transformation that we need. Let's not leave it at just behavior modification. And the final thing this morning, we need to do what Jesus did. We need to see what Jesus sees. We need to say what Jesus says. We need to do what Jesus did. As the band comes up, the major theme of Jesus' ministry was to bring the kingdom of God. If we're going to do what Jesus did, then everywhere we go, we need to bring the kingdom of God with us. Now, Jesus said that he'll come and live with us. He'll come and reside in us. The Holy Spirit is in us already. And so in one sense, wherever we go, the kingdom of God is there. But Jesus came specifically to bring heaven to earth. And we have the same opportunity. When Jesus ascended back into heaven, he passed the banner on. And it's now up to us to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Again, look at the examples we just spoke about. The woman at the well. The kingdom of God came to that woman. As Jesus, yes, but in her heart as well. Wherever we go, we can bring God's kingdom. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost. Every time we do that, we bring the kingdom of God. Jesus said that he came to serve, not be served. When we do that, we bring the kingdom of God. At Victory, we talk a lot about everyone having a next step. And when we help people take their next step, we bring the kingdom of God. Let's do what Jesus did. Every time we reprioritize our lives to put God first, the kingdom of God comes. Every time we choose to forgive, the kingdom of God comes. Every time we choose to love, the kingdom of God comes. Let's see what Jesus sees. Let's say what Jesus says. Let's do what Jesus did because it'll take out the enemies of honor that are in our hearts. When I do what Jesus does, it actually helps me from staying stuck in the past because it brings everything from the past into the present. 
It helps me help others to take their next step. When I do what Jesus did, it helps deal with my hypocrisy. Because all of a sudden, I'm not just talking about what people should do. I'm helping them do what Jesus is asking them to do. In conclusion this morning, one of the key principles of the kingdom of God is honour. And the Bible makes it clear that we should give what we owe. We need to give honour where honour is due. We need to address the enemies of honour that are in our hearts. And we can do that by making sure that our hearts are transformed by the Holy Spirit's power. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 